0: Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we turn our attention to your scriptures, we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would have us hear what you would have us hear for your glory and your honor. Please lead this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture readings today... Are, there's actually a number of them, and I'm, they're all from First and Second Timothy, and I'm just going to read them through. You see them in your bulletin. The first one is 1 Timothy 1, 1 to 7. Paul, hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the thing about which they make confident (coughs) assertions. Now turn to 4 verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times... Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Now to 6, 3 to 5. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that accord with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Then we go to verses 20 to 21 in chapter 6. O Timothy... Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irre- irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have served, swerved from the faith. Then we go to Second Timothy, picking up uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And then the final reading is from 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Thus ends the reading of the word. Today we are going to do something that might feel a little bit like visiting the Smithsonian in D.C. and finding yourself limited to just one building. And uh, then realizing that you don't even have enough time to make it all the way through that building. And if you've ever been to D.C. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Today we are going to go into Paul's two letters to Timothy... And we will not even come close to covering those two letters. And that's okay because that's not the point of what we're doing or why we're studying these letters. We have been looking at the Church of Ephesus over the last few months with the hope of avoiding the mistakes that that church made that led to a very stern letter from the Lord Himself. And today we will be focusing on an issue that Paul covers over and over in his letters and very much in these two letters. The letters to Timothy were written when the church in Ephesus was about a decade old. Paul addresses the letters to its pastor, Timothy, and dealt with some very important things from the authority of the Scriptures, to church leadership, to character issues, to the proper use of the law, to the need to be focused on the things of the Lord rather than the world, which has been very indicting for me personally, to prayer, even for political leaders who were not always very nice to Christians. And there's just a lot more that he covers. But there is an issue that Paul addresses in both of these letters that appears to be the primary reason for the first letter in particular— He also addresses this issue in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, that we just finished, and he spoke about this issue with the church elders on the shores of Miletus a few years before that, and it was a significant part of his teaching while in Ephesus on his visits before that. After today, we will be looking at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, letters from another person who served at Ephesus and we will see that the issue was a major concern to him as well. This issue is also addressed by Jesus in his letters in the Revelation, and not just to the church in Ephesus. It is the issue of false teachers. False teachers were a huge concern. In fact, if we are to correctly handle these letters, we should even bear in mind that a lot of what Paul writes in these letters is merely addressing examples of false teachings, such as, for, for instance, he addresses wrong teachings about the law in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And, and while Paul does not hold back here or elsewhere that the false teachings are to be condemned and rejected the false teachers appear to be the bigger concern. It has actually been a little surprising to me to see how frequently this issue of false teachers comes up, and and not just in in Paul's interaction with the Ephesian church, but also in his other letters to other churches and in the other letters from other writers. And, And there's one obvious conclusion from all this. The issue of false teachers is a big deal, and it still is. Most of us have probably heard that the best way to tell if something is a forgery is to really know the original. This is very, very applicable when it comes to false teachers and to erroneous doctrine. The absolute best way for us to be not sucked into the vortex of heresy of these false teachers is is to be very familiar with the truth. We need to be so firmly grounded in who Jesus is and what he did and what the scriptures really say that the ear ticklers will not have any allure to us. If our eyes are really kept on Jesus and we are fully armored up as we talked about last week, Whatever they offer should be of no interest to us, since nothing that they offer can even compare to the beauty and the loveliness of the gospel of Jesus. And yet, false teachers and the perversion of the gospel is one of the most frequent things the Apostle Paul and other New Testament writers addressed. And it is because we have an enemy who likes to twist the truth and who comes off as an angel of light when in fact he and his false teachings are really nothing but counterfeits aimed at keeping us from fellowship with God and from experiencing the love and grace demonstrated in Christ Jesus. And the enemy is very good at counterfeiting. He even uses God's words just ask Eve. He, he did not tempt her with, let's go rebel against God's authority. Or, there is no God, so let's go do our own thing. No, he, he spoke some of God's own words. And then just added a little bit and twisted a little bit. And got her to consider things other than God's truth. Things are not much different now. The enemy is still trying to deceive even the elect. And he will try until the day the serpent is thrown into the fiery pit. So we need to be on the alert and discern and confront false teachings and teachers. And here is a really significant point. Within the visible church. Almost all of Paul's warnings about false teachers have to do with people who would have probably identified themselves as members of the visible church, as followers of Jesus. So, so what to do? The best thing we can do is never, ever take our eyes off the real thing, Jesus, which was apparently the fatal mistake of the Ephesian church who forgot their first love, him. We also need to avoid deceivers and false teachers. By avoiding them we will avoid being misled by them. If Eve had simply ignored the serpent she would not have ventured down that path, at least that day. And, and Paul tells Timothy to do the same when he, in, this, in these letters, tells him to avoid these false teachers. And, and here is a nuance, and, and we must bear it in mind. Paul tells Timothy to, to avoid such men, these false teachers, not to focus on their false teachings. We simply will never be able to keep track of all the lies the liar comes up with with all the deceptions and schemes the deceiver concocts. And while this nuance of separating the teacher and the teaching might seem like it isn't that significant, it is. The teachers of falsehood, especially within the visible church, are the thing we are really being warned about. And there's a reason. Most of what Satan said to Eve was true. He only twisted a little bit. And it wasn't that she didn't know the truth. She did. She just made the mistake of conversing with a deceiver. Certainly his lie was a big problem. But he was the bigger problem because he created the false teaching and would have created another one if that one hadn't worked. Eve simply would have been better off to not listen to the serpent in the first place. Satan tried the same tactic of using God's words and twisting them with Jesus in his temptation in the wilderness. Of course, it didn't work, but the thing finally ended when Christ told him to leave. He was not going to listen to him anymore. Another example is the so-called Christians, the group called the Circumcision Party, addressed elsewhere in the New Testament. These folks would have identified themselves as followers of Jesus and likely believed most of the things the early church actually believed. But they added the necessity to follow the law in order to be saved. And their twisting of this one point brought the wrath and judgment of Paul who condemned them and even referred to what they taught as another gospel, another religion, Paul's desire was that the true believers would simply have nothing to do with them. Well, we should learn from these examples. And the conclusion is that we should simply avoid false teachers. By so doing, we will avoid their false teaching and avoid the risk of getting sucked into their heretical vortex. And here's the sad part, as way, way too many have. Certainly, knowing the false teachings and calling them out is worthwhile. But the false teachers will just come up with another false teaching. Listening to them is not necessary, and it can be very treacherous because the enemy is a deceiver, and this deceiver is very good at deceiving. Another point. We are to love these folks. The goal is not to beat anyone up or hate anyone. In fact, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2, we need to correct them with gentleness with the hope that those who have been misled by the real deceiver will be led to repentance and escape the snare of the devil. Our desire should be like the Father's desire that all would be saved. We're supposed to love these people, not hate them. We also need to remember that none of us are perfect. I doubt there will be anyone when the light of Christ's glory and truth is fully shown on our theology that will escape the charge of being wrong on something, if not on a number of things. Even heroes of the faith like Abraham to Augustine to C.S. Lewis to Billy Graham to John Calvin to John Wesley are going to come up short on something. But that is not an excuse to put up with someone who is blatantly a false teacher and who is preaching a different gospel. And false teachers have not gone away. In fact, after thousands of years of practice and, ever, and the ever-increasing pride of humanity, they have perhaps even gotten better at deceiving those even within the church. So here here is where we get practical. In honesty, I I wrestled with whether I should name names. After all, I am supposed to protect this flock and if I'm not willing to name a wolf, how is that protecting anyone from the wolf? But we live in weird times and if I were to name a couple false teachers, they might become the issue and, and I simply don't want that to happen. My point is to not merely give you four or five names of false teachers, and there there are many more. My my point is to warn you about false teachers because they are real and they are prevalent and to challenge you to take this issue seriously. So hear me. There are a ton of false teachers out there and we need to be very careful and you need to check out the people you are listening to. Remember, most of what Satan said to Eve and what he said to Jesus in the wilderness was true, but it was the deceiver who was speaking. And false teachers simply add a twist here and a little poison there, and next thing you know, you've eaten an apple, and it will not have good consequences. At that point, it really doesn't matter if 95% of their teaching is good. And the truth is, identifying false teachers today is not always easy. And you will often feel like you are swimming against the tide. Because many, some might even argue most, of the big-name American preachers and TV personalities and best-selling co- so-called Christian authors that you will find in any Christian bookstore are blatant proponents of false teaching. And we simply have been giving them a pass for too long. And why? Well, th- these are three Three big reasons. Everybody else is listening to them. I mean, look at all the books he sold. Because she speaks to me and she's right on so many other points. They're famous. Have you seen the size of that church and heard how it's growing? There there are many more and, and none of those reasons are adequate. While we should pray for these folks and love them... Once they're identified as a false teacher, we should avoid them. For example, the health and wealth gospel is not the gospel of Jesus. And teachers of such false teaching are false teachers and not worthy of our time because their core ideas are off. Don't listen to them. Even if they make you feel good and get some stuff right. Their gospel... The health and wealth gospel is not the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom. It might sound like it a lot of the time, and it might have a 95% overlap, but so did Satan's deception in the garden. Or if you hear someone claiming of God's presence is floating around a room in a glory cloud that looks like illuminated dust coming out of the ventilation system, and, and trust me, I'm not making that up, be assured that whatever that person, no matter how big that church is and how, how great the music is that comes out of there, whatever they are worshiping is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or if a speaker talks about having conversations with the physical Jesus as He walks around her bedroom, or if they claim that they have made journeys to heaven or hell to receive special messages. Again, I'm not making these up. These are best sellers. Don't listen to them. And be suspect of everything else they say. It is highly likely they are getting their information knowingly or unknowingly from demons or maybe their indigestion. And 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 thinking you can sift through the bad to keep the good is a dangerous enterprise. We will never until glory have as pure and intimate knowledge of God as Adam and Eve had before the fall. And even then the deceiver deceived them. So don't think too much of your ability to discern Best just not to listen to false teachers, even with, if you agree with a bunch of stuff that they say. Another example of false teacher, and this may get touchy, but it's just an example. Uh, when someone is putting words into the mouth of Jesus that are not from the Scriptures, such as the, the popular TV show uh, Chosen or in a recent best-selling devotional we we need to avoid such people who feel they have the authority to do that because they don't and it is at best idolatry and blasphemy it doesn't matter how sincere and how nice they are satan does not trick people into his lies by coming off as a jerk You may try to differentiate the good from the bad or use it as a springboard for a conversation with non-Christians or maybe confused believers, but never forget how subtle the enemy is and be careful. I mean this theme is throughout the New Testament to watch out for these people. Another example, and please hear what I'm saying when I say this. While you might end up concluding President Trump is a better choice than the current president who seems dead set against anything godly or Christian, so this isn't about President Trump. Do not fool yourself to think that many of the so-called Christian leaders that surround President Trump are safe. The truth is, when you drill down into it and you spend some time looking into them. Many of them are the worst false teachers and false prophets America has ever produced. Even if you agree with their political position, we need to simply stop listening to these false teachers when it comes to anything related to faith or the kingdom of God. These false teachers' political positions might be similar to yours on some issues, But their gospel is not. America is not Israel. And our focus must be on the kingdom of God, which is not of the world, according to the true king himself. And and I don't care, and you shouldn't care, if some of those so-called Christian leaders have a church of 200,024 campuses and best-selling books. If they are false teachers and they are preaching a perverted gospel, we should avoid them. Reading the Bible is a much better idea, or finding sound teachers and learning from them is a much better idea. Their their books might not be as feel-goody or entertaining, but the consequence of being deceived by one of their little twists is simply not worth the risk. It's also We're supposed to follow the example. It's also not the approach Christ took with Satan in the wilderness that Eve should have taken in the garden or that Paul directed us to take, including in these letters to Timothy. But how do you tell who a false teacher is? And and. On the practical side, this is really what the issue is. How do you do it? Since focusing on the many false teachings would be an endless task. First of all, know the true gospel contained in the scriptures. Know the real Jesus. And then check out those who you listen to. For example, merely typing in their name in a Google search with the word heresy after it will bring up a wealth of information. Read about them. Don't believe every word you read, pro or con, because the the people who are making these critiques are also fellow imperfect people like us. But do your research. If someone says so-and-so says whatever the supposed heresy is, try to listen to it yourself from the horse's mouth. Look it up in the book that's quoted, which, which you can usually find online also. I recently did this on one of the most famous female teachers in America, one of the wealthiest female teachers in America, and, and it was shocking. Could not believe what I heard come out of her mouth. And, and here's the deal. If they are teaching false things, don't trust them. And don't trust yourself to be able to discern when they start to slip the poison in. There are plenty of good teachers to choose from. And if you want some help discerning, talk to me or talk to an elder or talk to another brother or sister. False teachers are a huge issue. And again, a major theme in the New Testament. Not the most pleasant topic to talk about, but it's really important that we watch out for them and that we don't listen to them. I want to end with this. Paul Paul started his uh, letter uh, to Timothy after his greeting, and this is from 1 Timothy 1, 3-7. And I've read it before, but I want to read it again here. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Did you hear that part about the aim of our charge is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith? Even in the presence of these false teachers, In the introduction of the letter that he wrote to address false teachers, he is clearly stating that we are to aim to be distinguished by our love, by our pure heart, and by a sincere faith. That is what Paul told Timothy was a target, and that should always remain our target as well. At the same time, we need to be very careful and discerning because Paul also said in 2 Timothy, as he ended this correspondence with Timothy For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is happening, brothers and sisters, every day. That is why Paul's Paul's warning is directly for us as well. We are to avoid false teachers because they are dangerous. And we need to stay focused on Jesus and love from a pure heart and with a good conscience and a sincere faith in Christ Jesus. Had the Ephesians done this, they might not have forgotten Jesus and ended up where they did. May we not make the same mistake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that in Jesus we have the truth. Give us the faith to believe you and to believe in him. I ask that you Protect this flock from the wolves. That you help us to discern who these people are that we shouldn't listen to. But help us to listen to you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.